Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC three cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here to talk about the comics coming out on May 17th, 2022, starting with duo number one. This is the latest milestone issue. It is also, I believe, the first like purely new milestone creation in this new batch. Is, is that correct, boys? No, uh, not exactly, because this is just like a repackaging, reimagining of zombie. Oh, I didn't realize that that's what it was. I never read zombie. So uh, that's interesting. Oh. Okay. You never read the uh, the like 2006. Uh, I think. No, maybe it was like 2008. Yeah, it, it, was, was, like it, was, right, yeah, it was right before the uh, new, 50, new. You know, I did not read yeah. that. No. Yeah. So, oh, you we ought to we ought to talk about that sometime because it's really it's, a, it's excellent. Yeah. Is it really? I never read that. that, that that's yeah. good to know. OK, I, I did yeah, not realize that. OK, well, thank you for yeah, schooling me on a, that. It's a John Rosam, who I think is the creator of Zombie and yes. uh, or one of the creators and uh, Fraser Irving on art. OK, yeah. Well, this is by Greg Pak and Koi Pham. And um, Zach, since you're the zombie head among us, apparently, well, <laughs> why don't you uh, start us off? Well, so, I mean, my only zombie uh, knowledge comes from that that. Uh, 2000 late 2000s miniseries um and this is much different than that uh, that was more of like a supernatural uh horror kind of thing is kind of how it was billed whereas this is more of like a science superhero mm-hmm. type thing um this is still fun though um so like i think the i i checked wikipedia just to kind of like fresh like refresh and this is actually like the same. Um, what is the main character's name? Is it? It's, is it Daniel Kim? Is that David Kim? David David Kim. Kim. Okay, I knew it was a D. Um, <laughs> and then his his fiance in this was just his his lab assistant in the original. They weren't romantically connected, as far as we know. Um, but otherwise, I get the impression that the origin is pretty much spot on. Um, so yeah i don't know i i came into this kind of expecting not to like it as much because it just kind of like flipping through it it looked kind of more generic superhero-y fair compared to the kind of like much more zany and interesting uh one from the 2000s but i i actually enjoyed this quite a bit i thought i thought it was pretty good i thought the fam art was good i thought uh pox writing was really good um so yeah vincy what about you yeah i I liked it quite a bit too um i think i'm i'm a fan of these two creators for sure i don't think this is the best fam i've ever seen but um certainly does the job and and um it's certainly not bad to look at um and i think but i think the real key to my enjoyment of this is how they craft the characters. Uh, There's a few moments in this where they take time to really play up the romance angle between the two characters. Um, And it's time that comics don't normally take for that kind of thing, but it feels like they really wanted to establish that um, theme and connection between the two characters. And so they took, the extra page space to do that. And it, it really pays off. I think um, it's, it's really sweet and really romantic at times. Um, 
and and that really works um as far as the premise is concerned not only is this zombie right but it's basically firestorm also well that i definitely have firestorm <laughs> in my notes yes yeah yeah just before we get off this topic um do we know why they're not just calling it zombie um, it just no. seems strange to me when they're when they're rebooting all of these characters that they're giving this book a new title I wonder if it has anything to do with the legal reason with Rosam. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I would think I would think then they wouldn't even bother using David Kim. And... Well, that's exactly that's exactly my point. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's I'm a little bit perplexed by the decision, but you know, that's cool. Maybe they maybe they think the name doesn't really fit with the sure premise. And also, I, I guess I suppose there. are there are so many other like we are living in a very zombie heavy society right now and this isn't a traditional zombie story no it, it, right right so maybe maybe they just feel like people won't uh you know people won't appreciate it for that reason or whatever yeah um no it's it's funny you brought up the romance bits i wrote in my notes that the the reason like the the way one when, when i saw how much romance was happening here I'm like, oh, she's gonna die. <laughs> okay, that, that's that's <laughs> well, yeah. the only time comics take the time to do that sort of that sort of character development is if the character's going away, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, that was sort of uh, telegraphed a little bit, but I overall really enjoyed this as well. I, I I'll agree with you also, Vincey. This is not necessarily the best Koi Fam art, but it's it's certainly not bad art. You know, it as you said, it does its job. Um, I would say that. Greg Pak always does a really good job of establishing characters that feel more lived in than the page count they get. That's something he's done almost his entire career. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he continues to do that very effectively here. And I think that, you know, even if the reveals and all of that were are a little bit telegraphed, I think that that works fine as long as the comic is put together in a way that is enjoyable and offers something uh, offer offers the in the offers you a replacement for the surprise in other ways. And I think between the the visual storytelling that fam does here, between the character development that um Pac does here, like this is you're definitely getting your money's worth out of this comic. And so I didn't I don't mind that it maybe isn't the most uh you know surprising page turn in the world. Yeah. So, so I'm seeing some interesting stuff on this. I was trying to do some reading about maybe why they chose to use the name Duo, uh-huh. and I'm I'm seeing I'm confused because they talk about this as if it is separate from the other milestone books because all the articles I keep saying like say like he is the first superhero of Earth M, which is a collection of reimagined and new characters and concepts based on the work of Dennis Cowan. That's like what all of the sites are regurgitating. Yeah, and, and that is on the the cover is different. It has that Earth M banner that I don't believe the other milestone books had. Well see that's that's what what I when when I read that, because apparently I didn't read it very well, I thought that meant this is the first new creation. Like we have static oh. and we have blood syndicate, but this is the first 
new creation. Like I said, I'm not familiar with zombie. This didn't this just didn't trigger anything else for me. That that's really interesting though, Zach. Yeah, I don't. I wonder why there is that distinction. I, I wonder what the. It's got to be something legal, right? I don't know because it. I well, it is, but I also wonder why they are like holding this off in a separate universe from the other milestone stuff. Especially because the other milestone stuff got vaguely rebooted. Yeah. It was. I mean, it totally was. It it seemed like it was setting up a new universe, and, but this is somehow separate from that. Yeah. I and I was under the impression that all of that stuff was Earth M. Me too. As well, but I guess it's not. I don't know. I, I think I think maybe we're maybe we're we're being a little bit uh, pedantic about this and thinking too much about it. Maybe I don't know. I I don't know. Like it. It certainly seemed. Is that it? I mean, this was an article. Let's see. You guys, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Look, it took DC like 20 years to reboot Milestone. Why would they do it twice, essentially? <laughs> right? Like, why would they do it twice at the same time? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's, it's got to be something legal we don't understand. Th- this is an article from CBR. I hate to be citing them, but it's the first one that came up. Um, that says, it says, yeah, DC's Milestone Universe expands with Earth M line of comics. This is from February of this year. Uh, expands Milestone Universe with Earth M, a new lineup of comics set to kick off with Duo. So this is the first one of that line. So they're they I, I don't think we're being pedantic if they're taking that much effort to differentiate like in press releases and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very strange though. I'm sure there's someone out there who's banging their iPhone against their head listening to us get this like wrong. Yeah, please tell us. If you know, tweet, tweet at Zach and I at Wilker Fox yeah. at Brian and Zanap. Let us know what's going on. I mean, on here, do they but... want a 45 minute show or not? um but it's also it's not even like this this isn't even an ongoing you know it's another it's still another mini series um right so it's like it's not even that it's like oh these are those are mini series so they don't they don't count or something i i'm still kind of very unclear about the vision for um milestone at dc because remember they also told us that we were going to be getting those ogns Right. Remember Jeff Johns was doing a uh, milestone OGN. Ooh, yikes! Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, that was that, like the that was like the original announcement from like 2015. Was I think he and maybe Jim Lee were doing one? Well, there was a whole thing with there was a whole lawsuit of, from Dwayne McDuffie's estate yeah, that put that's, all of that on hold. Yes, that's that slowed everything down. But I believe that is now. Um, I believe that has now been all settled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very strange. But anyway, but this book is really good. And I, one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, I, I know we have not been focusing as much on the Milestone books as we had, we, like we talked about this last time when we talked about Blood Syndicate. But, you know, we, we want to focus maybe more on these. And I think we should because they're all really good right now. And I'm wondering if, like, why... 
what do we think is working so well with this with this relaunch? Is it just good creators? Is it, like, you know, just why do we think that this line is working so well? Um, I think it is creators mostly. Um, I, I I really can't speak to it too much because the most I've read, it, I've read like, I think like three issues of static shock and then one issue of everything else. So I, I really still can't speak to it very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think they have strong creative teams across the board and um, I think, I, I don't think DC's promotion of it has been the greatest but I do think they're doing more than they've done with books like this in the past, I think, or not books, um, initiatives, you know? Yeah. In line, so going off that, I know I have seen a bunch of stuff talked about for the book market, like with those season one collections coming out now. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be where they focus a lot of their attention. Um, I, I do think that. Yeah. And that makes sense for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Not to be the place they focus their attention. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to see more of this. But let's talk about this this issue in general. Vince, you mentioned that it's basically Firestorm, and that's yeah. you know very accurate. But I I feel like there um the the bit that I really enjoyed about this is you get the impression that there's I feel like Ronnie Raymond or, or whoever was the person in, um, you know, in the head of the the firestorm, whether it's, you know, Ronnie and Jason in the new 52 or it's Professor Stein. There was never like a discomfort about being inside the head. The fact that this is like a painful, difficult process, I think, does add a nice wrinkle to the story and is going to make future stories, you know, have it have an element that firestorm books typically don't have. Yeah, it's it's also interesting too. Like the focus early on, like you like we've discussed a bit about the, you know, the romance angle and kind of like the the cautionary tale of, um, like how dangerous it would be to know everything about your, you know, someone you are close to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I hope that's something that gets explored a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think just from a storytelling perspective, if uh, I forget his girlfriend's name, what's David's girlfriend's name now? Kelly. Kelly. Kelly Vu. Kelly. I, I feel like if Kelly found out something terrible about him and she's trapped in his head, that's a really interesting story to tell. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I hope they, I hope they explore that. I feel like six issues is not a lot of time to to both like introduce a concept set up the con the the kind of like greater conflict with whatever's going on with this company and these like weird things that are that are hunting david down but then also doing the kind of like more internal intimate relationship stuff uh i feel like six issues is not a lot of time to do that but maybe we will get more than just the six issues right Well, and I also think that, you know, Brian, you said that as soon as they were doing so much of the gooey romantic stuff, you knew that she was going to die, which is, yes, yes, so did I. Um, But she's going to be a presence 
in this yes, regardless. Yes. And so I, I feel like the tone of that is not necessarily out the window. Um, and that was my favorite thing about this. So uh, I, I hope we do get more of that. It was really sweet. And I think like, I mean, just that, that first panel of their like fingers intertwined like that, mm-hmm. like you can tell that they're making it. Pac is making a concerted effort to add a romance angle to this book that goes deeper than the majority of superhero comics. So I, I feel like he's not going to lose that thread. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was I, I like the designs of those nasty little uh, toad yes. alien creatures yeah, or yeah. whatever. They, they look like something out of Elden Ring. <laughs> I'll but take I, your word for that. Yeah, yeah. Zach, have you come across these guys in Elden Ring yet? Which ones that that, that look like this? I don't guess so. No. No. Okay. They're in the. They're in the, so. they're in the. They're uh, in the. They should be in the Lyernia of Lakes area, which I think you've been to. So I have been there, but I don't. Maybe I have and just don't don't make the connection. Mm. Okay. To me, they look like like almost like uh, tadpoles in the Battletoads universe. <laughs> you see kids battletoads was a video game when i was young <laughs> zach did you ever play battletoads no i didn't just another thing we'll have to eventually rectify after we make you watch all of the austin powers movies. i know about the like notoriously hard like motorcycle level that's like i think the only <laughs> thing i know about battletoads I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture of this and I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna put this in Lad's chat. Okay. This is this is from Elden Ring. I can't I don't I can't figure out what their names are because there's like those games are so obscure when it comes to lore. Oh, I guess they're the Albin Albin All right, I sent you guys the picture. Anyway, that's what these guys look like. I, I can see that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually don't think I've seen these guys. Oh, man. It's amazing how much of that game you can play and not see. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the guy in Elden Ring is, is a little bit cuter, a little bit more golemy. <laughs> those big yeah. eyes, you know. Yep. But yeah. That's true. Uh, anything else to say about uh, about Duo number one? No, it was it was it was perfectly crumpulent yes it, it didn't it didn't blow me away but I, I was surprised at the sweet angle and I'm, I'm definitely here to hear for more for sure zach any final thoughts uh no same i i liked it more than i expected to and i'm i'm interested to see where it goes yeah keep doing milestone books that are good dc it's a good thing but also tell us how all this fits together please Maybe I'll send an email to some people to figure out how this works. Yeah, I, I don't want any more emails. So just you, you just you tell us when you find out. Okay, well, I said tweet at Zach and I if you have an idea about this because Vince doesn't want to hear from you. Yeah. All right. Well, th- that brings us, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this, guys. Uh, Suffering Suckatash. We're going to talk about Looney Tunes <laughs> number two sixty six. <laughs> we joked about it on the show last week. By the way, I, I do want to say. Vince had said last week this was running since the 90s. Uh, Zach and I kind of scoffed at that. Uh, Vince was right. Well, because his his guess was... I don't, Not a I guess. Still, Not a guess. I, still I don't knew. Know, I still don't know how he knew because 
you would think if a, a book was running for 266 issues, that would be around 20 years. I, I knew because... Over so you the, would think like early 2000s would be when it came out. I, I knew because over the years I have seen people remark on Twitter here and there like, oh my God, there's a Looney Tunes book that's been running since the 90s and, and it hasn't relaunched. That's not something I've seen recently, but it's it's I've seen people say that time and again over the years. And so it's just I have internalized that this book has never relaunched. See, the only context I have for this is that uh, this for a while, the New 52 was the highest numbered DC comic. Yeah. Um, I mean, still is. <laughs> no, Action Comics well, is in the thousands. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. They, they did. They did renumber that or or denumbered that. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. Re re denumbered it. So Vince, you are the Looney Tunes guy of the three of us, I'd say the most. Um I'd say he probably yeah. goes Vince, Brian, Zach. Is that correct in terms of Looney Tunes fandom? Sure. <laughs> so what I mean, did you Zach, did you watch the Looney Tunes growing up at all? Yeah, yeah, I did. I wa- I watched the the Loonies. I watched okay. the, I got I watched some tunes, yeah. All right. Yeah. Did you watch I mean, Tiny this... Tunes, Zach? Oh. I, uh, what was Tiny Tunes? To refresh your memory, they're tiny, they're toony, and get this. <laughs> they're, they're all a little, little loony. Yeah, yeah, I did watch Tiny Tunes. Yeah. And in this cartoony, they're invading your TV. Yes, okay. They're, they're comic did, dispensers. I, I did. What do they do, Vince? Tiny... <laughs> What's, what did you say? They're comic dispensers. What do they do after that? Oh, my God. They crack up all the sensors. Come on. Yeah, they crack up all the sensors. Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. Well, I know I know that there's Babs and Buster Bunny. Montana Max has money. Yep. I know that. <laughs> uh that was my introduction to the they might be giants with Particle Man. Oh yeah. That's yeah fantastic. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Anyway, Absolutely. back to Looney Tunes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this was fine. Like, like if I if I just pick this up like once a year, I would not be upset to read this. Um, the, they're they're just like Looney Tunes shorts, right? And so they're I kind of, they're kind of funny. And I I was kind of curious about this. You talking about just picking this up on a semi regular basis. This um did a lot of Looney Tune bits that I am familiar with. Yeah, <laughs> I had the same note. Yes. So I wonder. <laughs> They're it's, all like that. How often are they doing the same bits <laughs> all the time? Is Bugs there a is rabbit dressing... season, duck season in every issue? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bugs is dressing up like a sexy lady bunny several times a year. And we thank him <laughs> for it. He looks great. Um, no, yeah. you're right, Zach. And I think that's the point, right? Like part of the, th- I mean, hell, the Looney Tunes cartoons did the same gags over and over again, right? Like, see, I don't, I don't know that because I watched them at an age when I wasn't really keeping track of how often the bits were being done, right? So, uh-huh. like, it's one of those things where you know, I recently, in the last like four or five years, found out there was only two seasons of Salute Your Shorts, and that blew my mind because I feel like I watched that show every day and I don't remember seeing a lot of reruns because just like when you're a kid, you don't think of it that way, right? Yeah. So. I don't I couldn't tell you how often Looney Tunes were used bits. There's the there's the Pinsky season and the uh the Michael season. Michael yeah. season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Pinsky of Rilo Kylie fame. Yes, of course. Yes, of 
Fantastic. And that's the superior season. Although, it is the superior season, yes. Although one of the best episodes ever is the one where uh, I believe After the flag. About, yes, but is that a Michael or is that a Pinsky? I can't recall off the top of my head. I haven't seen that in years. We actually tried to show my kids the first episode this weekend, and Amelia said, This is terrible. Turn this off. Oh, and it broke my yeah. heart. You kind of had to be there, I think, because TV's like now a cheap TV show looks a lot more expensive these days. Yes. This looks like it was made in a camcorder. Yeah. Which is great. That's part of its charm. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, well, what was the bit you were talking about? Sorry. Oh, just the, 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 the best Michael episode is the one where he and I believe it was Bobby Budnick are sick from that field trip. And they do and the they, puzzle upside down. <laughs> and they do the puzzle upside down. And yes. And they bond. Uh, two people who would never get along bond and it's a great episode yeah. anyway. And I believe that's, that might even be the last Michael episode. I, I believe it is. I believe you're correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, holy shit. And I haven't seen it in 20 years. So I even speak about this is um, how brain rotten I am. Both Aaron and I had the theme song entirely memorized correctly. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sure I do too. Yeah. I'm bashful, so I'm not going to do it here, but, <laughs> but uh, this thing came apart. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get a couple of drinks to do and have you do the Hey Dude theme song next. Oh, that one I could not do from memory. Oh, I could do the entire. I could I could do that. If karaoke <laughs> bars had the Hey Dude theme, I would rock that shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. Yes. Anyway, as I was saying, that's Yippee kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, the great thing about Looney Tunes is that they do repeat the bits and they put like little, little unique spins on them. But like how many times, how many times did the coyote get lured to the edge of the cliff and then like saw the cliff off and then the roadrunner stayed up and the rest of the cliff like fell down, you know, yeah, like, see, right, I, right. I think that's different because there's a difference between a gag and a bit. <laughs> and like rabbit and the the running out onto thin air and standing there until you realize that you're in thin air and then you fall that's a gag ah so you're okay so, with gag re- repetition yeah but not as good with not as, not as cool with bit repetition well i feel like if you do duck season rabbit season every like 10 issues or even you know then it's like We've, we've seen this one before you know like like duck season rabbit season is like you do that every like hundred issues and you do like the leonardo dicaprio point <laughs> and then, okay. but, but like the other things are gags and like they can be used as many times as you want you could do the you could do the same gag every issue and it's fine i see so this is how this is like how um like every DC comic now shows you like a multiverse uh, thing. Right. And, now, right, it's, and yes. now it's not special anymore. Yeah. Or like you see the Waynes die in crime alley. Right. Yeah. Every, okay. like every 10 issues. What I found that, that is a bit, it's not a gag. That's, that's sure. a bit. Yeah. A, a bit. gag okay. would be like, um, the Joker, uh, squirting somebody with a, with a water flower. Yeah. Gun, uh-huh. gun, yeah. Gun water yeah. Gun exactly. Gun. Yeah. Or like Bibbo saying, 
Superman. Superman. Yeah. Uh, Bibbo is a gag. Yeah. A gag. Or, or a reference to Green Arrow's chili, which we're going to get later tonight as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Uh, what I was going to say is what I find interesting about this is that there are two of the same gag in this, and one is considerably better than the other, which is in the first bit, there's like a there's a, a totally throwaway reference to Albuquerque, which is something that's like a Bugs Bunny thing. Yeah. But in the third story, he talks about being in the ILB turkeys, <laughs> which is like an Albuquerque joke. But that's a much more clever version of that joke. So yeah, congratulations, Earl Cre- Earl Cress, for writing that one, and shame on you, Ivan Cohen, for doing just a random Albuquerque joke. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and a tip of the cap to to Walter Carzon for drawing a very sexy. Ladybugs. <laughs> I mean, that's the ladybugs that that you'd take home from the supermarket. Of course, it is. You try to pick up at the supermarket. Uh, Bugs is hot. <laughs> to 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 go on a different uh, animated tangent. There, hello, nurse. <laughs> oh boy! Now there's a theme song I could give you the whole. See, I could probably do half of Animaniacs. Oh, I could do the whole thing, and I could okay. give you several variations of Bill Clinton plays the sax. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had one friend uh, who was very amused when, because you know there was always the different line at the end. Yes, yeah. uh, when it was Dana Delaney, because he thought Dana Delaney was hot. <laughs> oh yeah, well, not wrong. Yes. No, not wrong. Not not at all. Um. I like the Looney Tunes. Like, like I said, I'm not picking this up every week, but if I, if I, if I read it once in a while, if I make you guys read all, all uh, 266 issues for our next Patreon, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, I love those car- I love those cartoons. I have, I have some of the best of uh, DVDs. I have the, there's like a golden collection that has a lot more cartoons, but I have the platinum collection with which has less, but it's like all the really good ones, you know? Yeah. Um, have you watched any of the new ones? The HBO max. Um, a couple of them. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not they're bad. like, no, they're like this. They're fine. You know, yes, they're like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to, to this day, uh, of all the comedy I've ever seen, Roadrunner and Coyote is still like the funniest shit ever to me. It's the funniest thing in the world to me. That cartoon. Any of them. Just... That is my favorite of the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Uh, although, again, like going, we're talking pre-show about some like the childhood stuff you're obsessed with. I fucking loved Speedy Gonzalez for some reason. Oh, really? Just loved him. Yeah. Not funny. Kind of problematic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for some reason, I just I loved him when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason. Well, don't don't <laughs> no. apply anything, there, you <laughs> asshole. Yeah, I, I, you really like Pe- Pepe Le Pew for some reason, too. Okay, those are two very different characters. <laughs> Jeez. I don't want to say right. you saw him as a role model, but... Oh, <laughs> Come on, everyone knows I'm kidding. <laughs> you sound like Trump when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 
You're going to call we me. All miss, and we all miss him, don't we? Yes. You're going to call me Brian Wilkerson because uh, <laughs> like he, when he endorsed J.D. Vance and he called yeah. him J.D. Mandel or whatever. Yeah. So, yep. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yep. All Which right. is great because I saw somebody say, I saw somebody say that's not him making a mistake. That's him doing that on purpose so that later he can, whoever wins, he, he can, can just say, say exactly. He can yeah. say, oh, that's who I meant. Uh, I, yeah. I have the, I have the golden touch again. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a break. Uh, let's get the unpleasantness of Vince comparing me to Pepe Le Pew out of our mouths. <laughs> and uh, we're we'll back to talk about Shadow War Zone. Uh, so stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back to talk about our final book of the week, Shadow War Zone number one. This is made up of uh, three different stories. The first one being... I'm sorry, four. I'm sorry, four. Yeah, I just... I forgot to highlight... In my wow. notes, I always highlight the different ones. I forgot to highlight the some, ones. Some of them were forgettable. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, first up is Old Friends by Joshua Williamson and Otto Schmidt. And let me just say, seeing Otto Schmidt draw Dinah again is a lovely thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I I feel pretty confident in saying this was the best story in the in the issue. Easily. Yeah. There, there, there's one other that I would give. I would give it a, you know, on our old scale, a, a pirate ranking is from Paul Pirate and Pulp. But this is the best of the stories for sure. I'll, I'll be interested to hear which one it is. I this this one is nice. I think mostly if the, if the art if the, if it wasn't Otto Schmidt, I don't know if I would have liked this story as much. But the art is incredible. It's so good. Uh, get Otto Schmidt p- back on Ollie and Dinah. I if if after all of this stuff is over, Josh Williamson wants to do a, a Green Arrow, Black Canary book with Otto Schmidt. More power to them all. Go for it. Um, is this the first indication? I. It's the first that I can think of. Is this the first indication that uh, Dinah trained Angel Breaker? I don't know. I couldn't begin to tell you. <laughs> I double checked, and uh, Angel Breaker is a, a, a completely new character who was introduced in Batman 122. So then I would say yes. It's, I say it, it probably is. is. So that alone makes me think that Williamson has some plans for Dinah moving yeah. forward. Which is interesting. Yeah, because what else would what else would that pay off in? Certainly right. not certainly not Dark Crisis. That's too much of a of a detour, I think. Yes. I think so too. 
I part of me wonders if he is going to return to Deathstroke Inc. Mm. after this Ed Brisson year one arc. If maybe that's just like a placeholder thing while he is doing Dark Crisis stuff. Could be. Or maybe Dinah will like get her own book or something. Yeah. Or maybe Green Arrow will. It's been too long since we had a Black Canary book. Yeah, when was the last Black Canary solo, I think, was that DCU DCU book. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you, by the way, that I have heard now two people who probably know more than uh, than we do that called that DCYOU? Okay. No. Yeah. They're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no offense. I'm not like mad about it, but but that's not why why <laughs> why yeah <laughs> did williamson call it that no no oh, okay people who work for dc call it that well he works for dc like the work in dc is <laughs> like you know I clark see. clark called it that oh clark called it that oh clark clark's right then yeah i'll give it to clark somebody was, else did too so there yeah. was some dickhead from like comicbook.com or whatever. oh no no fuck that noise yeah um so anyway uh Zach, that's your question. I think maybe. Uh, maybe this is the first indication of that. I did not remember if that was a newer or old character. It just, you know, there's a lot of characters that sort of have that similar vibe. Yeah. So I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was new or old. Well, but that I again, like, doubly makes, if this is a new character and this is the first time we're hearing about this and this is this is a Williamson creation, there, there he must have more story for this. It's, it says this part is continued in Shadow War Omega. Hmm. So, I I wonder if we will get more teases of things to come there. I like how there's an editor's box that says that this takes place before Shadow War Omega, and it's like, yeah, uh, Shadow War Omega is not out yet. <laughs> well, okay, I wonder about that. Okay, I wonder if they weren't sure when these things are going to come out because I also, it's also interesting that um, I'm trying to, did, has, was there like a, a um, was there like a Joker war zone issue? There yes. was. Yes. Okay. So this isn't the first time that we've had the like war zone designation, No. but there's also a dark crisis war zone coming out. That was just yes. announced. That's going to be after dark crisis is over. And so I I wonder if maybe they didn't know whether or not this issue was going to come out before Shadow War Omega or not. Um, So it it is a weird editor's box, though. I don't maybe we'll understand better when that issue comes out. Maybe maybe there was some logic that we just don't know about. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So the second story in the book is called Inner Demons, and it's written by Nadia Shamas and illustrated by Sweeney Boo. Shamas is co-writing something coming up, but I can't remember what it is now. Um. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Um. At DC or just yes, yes, at DC. yes. We've already read it. In fact, we have. Um, yes. Yes. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm looking this up. Sure. Um, but and we hadn't seen Sweeney Boo Detective in a Comics. While. Detective Comics with the with the with the uh incel Riddler. Oh yes, okay. The the 
Yeah. 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 Oh. And Dr. Uh, Amp Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, guest co-writer with Tamaki. Okay. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we haven't seen Sweeney Boo on a DC book in a little while. I always enjoy seeing Sweeney Boo's work. Yeah. I thought this, the story looked pretty nice, but it was a pretty forgettable story. Yeah. It really doesn't add anything to Talia's story, I feel like. Yeah. It's it's trying what it's I think I think what they're going for, which I'm I'm definitely in favor of, is for them giving Talia more backstory that has like some spunk and some agency to it. Because I think the criticism with Talia over the years, and I haven't read enough of the old stories. I've read Morrison's stuff, obviously. I've read some of the more contemporary stories with Talia, but I haven't read enough of the old stuff to say for sure or not. But a criticism I've seen leveled is that um, Talia is the sort of um, sort of mysterious Orientalism character, like to to use like a, a a term kind of tongue in cheek there. Um, but doesn't have much agency when compared to uh, Rachel Ghoul or, or just comes off as a, not a, not a fully formed character, right. Um, whether that's a consequence of like primarily being written by men or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say. The only reason I'm bringing that up is because it seems like this story is intended to continue to flesh out her character or give her some agency or a personality as, as a child or as, as her upbringing goes, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. I now whether it does a great job of that, like I think it's a pretty boilerplate story as far as those things go, you know, like, Oh, my dad, my kid parents just don't understand, you know, exactly. um, now here's a story all about how my my dad, dad went in a pit in exactly. Nepal. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you're moving with your grandma to Lazarus Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> I jumped off of one little cliff and my dad got scared. Exactly. Uh, something, something. <laughs> comedians aren't safe. <laughs> <laughs> We did it, guys. We did it. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, I and I thought this was fine. There, there was there was really nothing wrong with it. Um, it, other than it didn't make much of an impression at all. I think the one thing I would say, and I don't want this to come off poorly because I don't. There's going to be people who complain about stories like this, and their heart's not in the right place. I'm not really complaining. It just is weird, like. We're, do- we're doing this shifting timeline thing, right? Where like now these characters who were created in the seventies or whatever, they would have, sp- sp- they would have um, spoken very formally in how they were written. And now in, in like a modern era, uh, like Talia and her friend, they sound like high schoolers from today. Right. 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 <laughs> like, which is fine. It's just, it's just a little weird when I'm reading like, Talia's friend here saying, uh, I'm, I'm not going to try to entertain your ass, princess, <laughs> which is like, 
uh, I don't know. I don't really, I don't even really dislike it. I don't, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's just something that, that hit me, struck me funny. I was like, huh, that's, that is not something the Talia of the seventies, that's not a conversation they would have. You right. know, they wouldn't be speaking in this informal and maybe that's good. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying like, it's, it's, everyone's voice is much more modern these days, um, which I think is, it, it's, it's glaringly obvious in stories like this, you know? Yeah. Where this is like in the seventies, this would have taken place in like the 1950s or sixties. Right. Right. We don't know when this, what, when this is supposed to take place now because of the shifting. Cause it's been, cause you, cause you have to keep everybody the same age, even though it's been decades. So Right, it's just right. one of those. It's one of those funny consequences of not aging anybody up ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, with with the Al Ghuls, it could also take place anytime. Really. Well, that's that's true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish there was. I wish there was more to this. I guess is what I'm saying. But it was. It was. It was unoffensive. Yeah, and Sweeney Boozart's always always fun to look at. Absolutely, yes, 100. percent Um, up next is Paddock Room by Ed Brisson and Mike Bowen, uh, Bowden, perhaps Bowden. Yes. Uh, this this is a uh, a ghost maker slash uh, um, what's it, clown hunter? That always sounds wrong to me. I was going to say clown killer. <laughs> clown, clown. Clown hunter. Yeah, clown hunter Man, story. Yeah. Hunts clowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul, you, you, you see this clown hunter new costume? It's, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey pads. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't dislike this new idea of Batman Inc. because they weren't using the old Batman Inc., right? So you might as well shake up the concept a little bit and it gives something for these characters to do. And that's fine. I just wish that any of these stories interested me at all. Yeah, (laughs) this is like pretty boilerplate stuff. It's not, it's not very interesting. It's, it's, it's ghost hunter. Hasn't been like a deep, character by any means but this is like pretty shallow you know just in terms of his characterization i don't i don't know i this one i think is the most take it or leave it of the whole issue i I I ghost hunter i meant ghost maker whatever the fuck his name is i don't know we all know who you meant yeah ghostbuster Mm mm-hmm Remember how I, I I praised the the ghost maker scene in, um, I think it was an issue of Batman. I think it was the last <laughs> issue of Batman. Maybe sure, I believe you. Where um, it was like a page or two, and he was like, "I'm I don't work for Batman. I'm in, you know, and it kind of like established that Batman thinks he's working for him." And he is on the side of good. He's it's not like he's double crossing Batman, but 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 Ghostmaker clearly sees his role differently. And I think that that's a subtle and interesting thing that they could potentially explore. 
And that was perfect. And I did not need a 10 page story or whatever this was of it, (laughs) of more of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the per that was a perfect scene as it was crafted in that issue of Batman. And here this did nothing for me. And black spider continues to be black spiders thing is that his costume is always so freaking cool. And then he does (laughs) nothing, makes no impression. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that black spider costume should just be taken by one of the Batman Inc. members because it's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this was not a great. Not a great uh, story. And again, it's it's kind of fine, but it just just make these characters. I I don't know why you would put these characters at the forefront of Batman Inc. and then not make them interesting. (laughs) I guess is my point, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. We'll see. All right, that brings us to our final story in the issue, which is ninjas exclamation point at the arcade. I thought Zach would enjoy this just for the panic of the disco reference in the title. Is that what it's referencing? It has to be. Why would I guess it be? So. It's definitely a panic of the disco reference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. I don't even like panic of the disco, and I got that. Come on. Uh, well, they're they're, can- they're canceled. So they are canceled. Are they? What what happened there? Uh, Tell me off air. Uh, well, well, was that was it ever confirmed? I don't know. I know there was stuff, and then I never. I never read much into it, and then no, everybody stopped talking about it. So I, I don't know. I assume it's real. I mean, whenever, whenever I say they're canceled, I usually have my tongue in cheek. Anyway, um, but Brendan Yuri uh, was supposedly a, a, a sex pest. Oh, that doesn't surprise did, me at all. Did some okay. sex pesty stuff. Um, I don't know whether that. Who could say? Who could say? Yeah, who can say? Who could say? That's fair. Anyway, uh, this is written by Stephanie Phillips and illustrated by Anne Molina. I enjoyed this one because I haven't read an issue of Harley Quinn in a while, and I like Stephanie (laughs) Stephanie Phillips's uh, Harley Quinn stuff. So I enjoyed it for that reason, and I enjoyed the the last couple of pages of the teaser for something new there. But (laughs) yeah, before we get to that, which is obviously my all of our favorite parts of the issue because we we love this sort of shit. Um, but you know, what did you think of the the Harley parts of this? I mean, I think I think Phillips has a really good handle on Harley. Um, I I I have fallen off that book as I do every Harley book, but when I anytime I've seen it, I I, I go, yeah, this this is right, this is right. It's just that I can only take so much of it, you know. Uh-huh. Um. I think like there as again, as with any good Harley story, there's some, there's a couple genuinely good jokes and there's some that make you cringe and like, they're kind of supposed to like, right. Like Harley doing all those movie quotes as she's whacking up ninjas. Like that's not really supposed to make you laugh out loud. You did say whacking up ninjas, right? (laughs) I said whacking on it was very Listeners close to go back to the tape yeah <laughs> she's not man you're in the gutter <laughs> you said it not me uh but anyway like that's that is not stuff that's supposed to make you laugh out loud it's supposed to make you kind of grown grown right? exactly yeah yeah and so it's fine um 
I, I think she does a really good job with that stuff, even though this is really, really fluff. Um, there's nothing to it unless until those last that last page, I guess. So this is basically just to catch people up who haven't been reading Harley Quinn on sort of what the character is like right now. Yeah. Yes. So we see at the end of this, uh, Luke Fox putting together a team of some sort. <laughs> we don't know much about it, but it appears that Harper Rowe is on this team. Right. That, that is that is the person on the left there, correct? Uh, I have to look again. Hold on, I'm looking. I, I think it's got to be. Let me see. Mm, uh, you are probably right. You want to know who I thought that was? Who? I thought it was Killer Frost. Oh. Oh, I, I, I could I mean, maybe. Be. Like the, you know, the like recent, like the Steve Orlando incarnation of Killer Frost. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Harper Row makes way more sense, though. I don't know. I mean, okay, so we got Harley in the middle. Who is that on the right there? Uh, vigilante. No, it's not Vigilante. Come on. No, it's not. It's not. Some guy with what looks to be a sperm on his head. Oh, I thought that was just a like a glare. It something. is. It just but it looks like a sperm. And then we have lower left corner is some guy. Is that, is that Bronze Tiger? I, that, my, my thought was it was Bronze Tiger. Yes. And then someone who's covered up. Yeah. And then Luke has somebody there with him. Yeah. Yeah. Lashi- Lashina of the female Furies. That's wild. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy team they're putting together here. And I don't know what it's for, but I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. Do we think this is like, is this an arc of Harley or so- is this a new book? So I, I think it's probably a, an arc of Harley, but it's funny. Before they said Luke, I thought this was just an older looking Duke. And this is going to be a new Outsiders team hmm. um, because it, it this doesn't particularly look like the Luke Fox. We last time we saw Luke Fox. So I was like, oh, I guess that could be Duke. But it's Luke Fox. I think it actually makes it more interesting than it's Luke Fox. We haven't seen that character in a while. We've seen Jace a lot. We haven't seen Luke as Batwing in a while. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This, is, this is weird. It's I kind also, of hope it's a new book, honestly, or like a mini. Yeah. It's also weird that we haven't had this teased to us already before this. Like, that's what tells me that it's probably not a new book because there's not a book solicited yet. And normally, normally they like line those things kind of up where like we may have heard about it already. You know what I'm saying? Well, I feel like a lot of times they've been doing this where they will uh, have this story come out and then like that day or the next day announce the book. Yeah. That's like what they did with like the Batman Beyond thing. That's true. Yeah. And uh, I feel like there have been a few other ones. Yeah. It's a fun idea, though. Whatever it is, what I wonder what what uh, what's the threat that they're you I you would think that it's like fourth world in nature if Lashina is involved. Um, and I guess like the you know the last time we saw them together, it was in that um, 
was that still the Palmiotti run or was it was someone else riding it by that point where there was the was that the Sam Humphreys run? It might have been the Sam Humphreys run. I yeah. think it was Humphreys. Yeah. I don't know. Nutty stuff, though. Yeah, I'm here for it. Well, that does it for our books for this week, folks. Uh, Vincy, do you have next week's books pulled up? Um, I will in a second. I'm just on the wrong in the box. Okay. okay. All right. I got them. Action Comics 1043, Aquaman number four, Batman Beyond the White Knight uh number three batman fortress number one dc versus vampires hunters number one um deathstroke inc number nine tech 1060 harley quinn 15 robin 14 task force z8 teen titans academy 15 and the swamp thing 13 well that that sounds like uh, a week of comics <laughs> it's, it's something it certainly does yeah yeah if you have to get in touch with two-thirds of us uh Two of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is competing in a competitive Animaniacs theme song sing off right now with <laughs> other uh, big time Animaniacs fans from the 90s. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hey, hey, I get it. It's just like uh, it's just like Donda.